We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody. Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddles, senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. And dude, we are inching closer and closer. Exactly, I believe it's the 28th, I believe, is exactly the two weeks away from today is the opening of Denver Broncos training camp. And as we usually do around this type of the season, we're going to go through the uh, Broncos 53-man roster projection, just kind of break everything down for you. But before we get into that, man, how you doing? Doing good. Not tired for a change. Got a nice three-hour nap in before the show and uh, was able to you know, hop in a shower, really wake up and here and excited to be here. Friday night, as I am every time. It's good to see you. It's good to see everybody in the chat. A uh, little bummed about the weather. I mean, we got a couple nice days of weather up here, and now it's supposed to be raining again today after having like it basically rain every day for the previous three weeks. So that's a bummer. But Broncos football, football in general, it's about to kick back up two weeks until the start of training camp. Not long after that, we get preseason games. And then not long after that, it's back to the regular season. So exciting time. And you know what? We've made about we've just about made it through, you know, the dead time of the football season. June and yeah. early July are always so difficult to get through. Not a lot happens. Uh, at least in May, we have, you know, recovering, um, covering everything that happened in the draft, you know, a little bit of the final free agent moves leading up to it's all draft and free agency. But June hits and it's just like dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's nice. You know, you get a little bit of football there for a minute OTAs mini camp stuff like that kind of goes on and you get just a little bit of taste there to to round out the the last part of May a little bit of the beginning of June but that last half of June until actually tomorrow when the franchise tag deadline hits that it's uh it's pretty dead around the uh, uh, around the NFL scene. We got Dylan Von Mar- Dylan Von Arks in the chat doing his thing uh, behind the scenes, making sure that uh, moderating and things aren't getting out of hand behind there. But he's telling Eric, you know, his parents are on vacation in Alaska at the moment. And actually, I have a couple of friends of mine um, from down where my fo- folks are at that are in um, they're in Anchorage right now, so they're going on vacation as well. So this is obviously the time if you want to go up to Alaska and go see some beautiful scenery. The summertime is definitely the time to do that. Uh, before the chat even got started, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Except when it's raining, when it's <laughs> raining and it's cloudy out, like it really takes away from the views. Um, 
But yeah, I hope your parents are having a great time in Alaska. I, I reiterate this all the time. I don't like, I don't care for living here. It's not my favorite thing. It's so far away. There's not a lot to do, but it's an absolute beautiful place to live. And it's such a great place to visit. I hope they're having a good time. And I hope anybody who visits Alaska has a great time up here. Yeah. Likewise with Wyoming, you know, and we're actually finally going to get another rainstorm in here. Um, it's been pretty dry for the last couple of weeks after June. It rained damn near every single day, but uh, enough about the weather. Let's jump into some football here. And before we do that though, got to give a shout out to our boy, Troy, who jumped in before the uh, the stream even got going with a $10 super chat uh, saying, Hey guys, I hope three undrafted free agents earn spots. Not because of injuries though. Uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, PJ Mustafer, and Thomas Incombe. Um, Eric is actually going to, Kind of satiate your desires here and in just a little bit. Let's get into it, though. Uh, actually, quickly, we got to grab Michael. Michael Ronquillo jumping in here on Facebook, as you know, he always does every single night, every single show, uh, sometimes even in the mornings as well, jumping in here, throwing some support down. Michael, we definitely appreciate you, man, saying good evening, Lance and Eric on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos and Buckham. Uh, and Lawrence Rivera as well, throwing some stars around. Uh, saying that at least Taylor Swift is enjoying Mile High. So, yeah, you know what? Shake it off, man. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. I I would love to go see a, a Taylor Swift concert. Not that I'm a Swifty, but you know what? I hear she puts on a damn good show, and I do kind of enjoy her music a little bit. Eric, what do you think on Taylor Swift? Am I, am, are we getting too too much in the weeds here? I, I, I have no opinion on Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a super big music person, and like, all I know of Taylor Swift is that her song, at least used to be her songs, were all about breakups and super depressing and just not enjoyable to me. So that's my opinion there. That's <laughs> fair enough. It's it, the music that we grew up to. And I I have a I have a a spot, a soft spot in my heart for uh, the, the song Blank Space because my guys, I Prevail, covered it and turned it into a metal song. And if there's one thing that Taylor Swift does really well, she writes great songs that metal bands cover and make even better. So that, that's that's the love that I have for Taylor Swift. Anyways, hello to Jeff. Hello to Todd. We've got Dylan in the house as well. Lawrence, uh, Jimmy Bate. We've got uh, John Libick in here. New name saying good evening, gentlemen. So good evening to you, John, as well. Uh, Christiana Roden uh, is in the house. Zach Powers as well. What's going on, Broncos country? Welcome in here to a wonderful episode of Dove Valley Deep Towers podcast. Let's jump right into it here on a beautiful Friday. Uh, Eric. We kind of talked about this last week a little bit, you know, any big questions that are still remaining on the on the roster. You've been working through a, an article series, kind of giving percentages of the, the positions, the players at each position, and like what the percentage is that they will potentially be make, the, make this roster. You've culminated that up today. I believe it, it dropped earlier this morning, your 53-man roster projection for the Denver Broncos. Last week, we kind of started off, we're going to do the same thing, you know, going through the quarterback position, offense down through that, starting defensive line, moving through the second on the defensive side of the football but we talked about it last week man quarterbacks pretty well cut and dry it's going to be three quarterbacks at least for your projections you have russell wilson you have jarrett stidham and you have ben denucci making the final 53-man roster now something that i noticed right away looking at this is like we talked about last week you have three quarterbacks making the roster why is that so my biggest thing is with the new rule or not new rule old rule coming back about the third quarterback spot they have to be on the 53-man roster. They just don't have to be a game day active. They cannot be a practice squad call-up, but they still can be dressed and everything just in case of emergency. That and Sean Payton's, you know, history with pretty much keeping always keeping three quarterbacks, like just kind of put you there. Is like three quarterbacks. It was a final change. Like I'm typing it up. I have everything down. I have all my numbers. 
And I'm like, oh, I got two quarterbacks. Who's the guy that's going to get left off for that third quarterback, which we'll get into here in a little bit as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that's the biggest reason why I went three quarterbacks. And then the then my focus shifted of it's going to be Ben DiNucci or Guarantano. And experience here just kind of led me in the way of Ben DiNucci. Yeah, and that makes the most sense. I mean, Ben DiNucci has a couple of stars for the Dallas Cowboys back when Dak Prescott got hurt. And then I believe it was Cooper Rush was the other quarterback that they had that, that went down that season as well. So DiNucci at least has starting experience in the NFL. And I definitely agree with you on this one. Another quick question that I want to bounce off you before we grab Gary here is um, just the history with, with Sean Payton. Is, is it like, if I remember correctly, he typically carried three quarterbacks on his rosters while he was as the head coach at, at New Orleans. Is that correct? Yes, if I remember right, there was one year he kept two, but after the first week, it was back up to three. It was just a matter of the whole veteran contract aspect, right. if I am remembering correctly. Um, outside of that, every single year, it was three quarterbacks on the initial roster, and it didn't change a whole lot throughout the season. Yeah, and and like you said, with the with the rule coming back into effect that you can still have an, an active game day quarterback um, – that it has to be on the roster. It's a third quarterback in case of emergency situations. Much a big reason why that was brought about was because of the um, Brock Purdy incident that happened in the playoffs this last season, yeah. where Brock Purdy went down, and then I can't remember the backup that that went down behind him. Uh, the the 49ers essentially had to start. Christian you can't Patrick. remember the backup. Oh, it was uh, Josh Johnson. That's right. Josh Johnson. It was Josh Johnson, former Denver Bronco Josh Johnson. Um, well, it took me a second to get there. But they, they ended up playing Christian McCaffrey as a Wildcat quarterback for essentially the entire second half of that football game. If you at least have a third quarterback that's available to you on game days, he has to be a part of the active roster, but he can still be available for you on game days as, as an emergency quarterback where you don't have to have a guy like Christian McCaffrey throwing, throwing the football. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Football around. It essentially makes game day actives from 48 to 49 with that 49th being the quarterback. Yep. That, that's basically the only difference for it. And what's funny to me is this whole rule change, as you said, it came about because of the San Francisco 49ers, but their third quarterback on the roster couldn't even play in the game. It was Jimmy Garoppolo. He was still dealing with the broken foot. So it's just kind of ironic that, that that's what brought the rule change about was a situation where it wouldn't have even mattered. But Gary Palmer coming in with the $4.99 donation. Thank you, Gary. We appreciate you Thanks, so much. Gary. He says, hey, Lance, Eric, Scott, and Dylan, I am ready for some football. Go Broncos. Hashtag Buckham. Uh, yeah, we are too. Like we were talking about the start of it, like, I'm so excited that it's almost the football season. A lot more excited than I was a year ago. Like, uh, I'm excited. As, like, 
as much as I talk about Russell Wilson and the negatives of it, as much as what I've said about Sean Payton, I am excited to see what they are able to do together. I'm excited to see if Russell Wilson could turn it around. I'm excited to see what this new offensive line can do. Um, well, reimagined offensive line, really. Mm-hmm. Um, if the running game can get going, I'm excited to see the defense and seeing if they're going to be a little bit, um, you know, take that step back. So I got a, um, I got a lot of excitement for this season and it's even more excitement than I did going into last season. I I'm more cautiously optimistic going into the season. Um, and a, a big reason is just because the, the whole Russell Wilson situation, like I, I, I want to believe that he's going to, I do think he's going to have a bounce back season. I want to believe that, but it's one of those until I see it, I'm going to kind of just, hold my breath a little bit and and really see, you know, uh, Sean Payton's been out of the NFL for, for a year now. He's gotten kind of, kind of got this, this re this breath of fresh air, essentially perspective, bringing, bringing in, putting his uh, players in a position to, to actually succeed. So I'm, I'm just curious to see what it really looks like. Last season, I was stoked, man. Like I, I was all about Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett. They were talking about being super innovative on offense and it was a disaster. So maybe getting back to a sense of normalcy, getting back to an actual, and Erica, you and I have gone back and forth on this multiple times. I don't want to j- jump into that now, but uh, the the preseason last year was, uh, I, in my opinion, and several other people's opinion, a, a disaster. The way things were run behind the scenes was a disaster. To have an adult in the room and Sean Payton, a guy that's been there, he's been to the pinnacle. He's had multiple different teams that have made it to the NFC Championship game in New Orleans. Like, I, I have the optimist, the optimism there. I just want to see, and I, I'm piggybacking your point here. The defense, I'm very curious on, and if they do take that step back. Uh, going back to the offensive side of the football, though, let's move down to your list here just a little bit. The running back position was one. I was not necessarily very – like I, I can't disagree with it, but just the way you have it structured, but I I do have a, a curious question that I want for you. Uh, you have Samaj P. Ryan, um, Tony Jones Jr., uh, I believe it was Jaleel McLaughlin making the roster, and then Michael Burton as the fullback, uh, making it four running backs here. You have a note here. It's actually the first thing that you talked about in, in your article. And make sure you guys go check this out at milehighhuddle.com. It's the, the fourth article down, really easy to find. Eric does a great job here. But the one point that you brought up was what the Broncos were going to be doing with Javante Williams and why he is not officially on the opening 53-man roster. What's your thoughts, buddy? Well, first of all, it's Tyler Beatty, not Jaleel McLaughlin okay, making it. Okay. Um, biggest reason for that is, and I've talked about it a lot on here, McLaughlin coming from Youngstown state to the NFL, even though running back's an easier position, that's still slightly too big of a jump for me to be comfortable putting on it. He's definitely part of that competition though. And depending on what he does in preseason, he could definitely take that spot. I went with Tyler Beatty for now, just because Tyler Beatty, despite only having just a handful of snaps and two touches, it's still some experience. And he played at the sec and already has that year in the NFL to grow accustomed to it just a little bit there. And then Javante Williams, obviously he's not in my top four, but I do have him making the initial 53 man roster. So kind of a slight change here. This isn't, you know, the initial 53 man roster over the first like 48 hours, the rosters changes a lot after the initial one, because to, for players like Javante Williams, who are hurt, you have to be on the 53 man roster initially, and then place on injured reserve 24 hours later to be able to be called back up. And that's what I have with Javante Williams. So making that 53-man roster initially only to be put on injury reserve so he can be called back up a little bit later. And Tony Jones Jr. being the one to come in and to fill in that final spot. Uh, Michael Burton, full-time fullback, special teams player. That's going to be part of the offense. That's gonna He's going to be there on defense as well. Um, so just a uh, 
um that's that's the only real difference here it's, and it's the only player that i did that with like they're gonna make it on the initial 53 man roster but not i'm just not comfortable enough to have javante williams on the 53 man roster and cemented there because i do think that he's probably gonna miss the first few weeks at the very least Right. Zach Power is actually coming in here with the question I was actually going to ask you right to follow up on Javante Williams here. Wouldn't they just stick Javante Williams on the PUP list to start training camp? Because if they do that, then um, he carries through onto the PUP uh, to to open the season. And I believe it's first six, six weeks. weeks. Yep, he six has weeks. to miss the first six yes, weeks. Yep, exactly. Yep. That's so that's that was the question I wanted some clarification on. And then after that, they have two weeks to get him to practice and then two weeks after that before he would be able to to return so he asked us the first six weeks if he then comes back this week seven it would be they have two weeks after that first practice to reactivate him to put him back on the 53-man roster right yeah and if i did this in may i would have gone the pup route with javante williams but everything that i've heard what it seems with where he's at in his recovery it seems like they're they want to he may start camp in preseason on pup but they want to get him off there. They, they don't want him on pup to start the season. So I, I don't think that he's going to miss. I don't think they want him to miss six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. I think they're looking at three, four, maybe five weeks okay. um, of him missing, which is why I went the injured reserve route and being able to call back up. But pup is still an option. I mean, he could suffer a setback during recovery. Um, there, there's a lot that can happen and can change with the status of Javante Williams between now and then, just like as I was talking about with Tyler Beatty and Jaleel McLaughlin, a lot can change there. Um, just right now, I feel more felt more comfortable going the injury reserve route. Right. And uh, going just to continue on the conversation of the running backs here, you do also have a note in there that adding a free agent, this is a quote directly from the piece quote, adding a free agent is entirely plausible and probably a route the Broncos take. However, this projection is based on players currently on the roster. So Tyler Beatty wins the job for the third spot as a change of pace, explosive home run type back. Uh, We talked about it a little bit last week, but I do want your thoughts again. Uh, Is there any specific name that you would like to see the Broncos bring in at the running back position as a veteran free agent? I mean, we've talked about it a lot. I mean, Dalvin Cook, Kareem Hunt, like, it's just something every single week for the past few weeks. We've always talked about free agent running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of guys out there are still available. A lot of guys that can make sense. Um, if they want to go with somebody who is more powerful than Leonard Fernandez, Ezekiel Elliott over Tony Jones makes sense. More home run hitter style than, well, Kareem Hunt. Maybe Dalvin Cook, Like, even though things seem to be heating up between him and Miami, if they can figure out the money there. Um a lot of options out there, so I, just plenty, of, plenty of ways they can go. Right. Um, before we get to wide receivers here, we got our guy Keith Brugman jumping in here from the Denver Broncos Roundup podcast. What's up, Keith? Thanks for joining us, man. I asking an interesting question here, and I think that I, I think that yeah, I want to piggyback a little bit off this. Uh, is Russell Wilson being set up for his biggest rushing season, especially given Javante Williams' injury, and also I don't want to say necessarily lack of talent, but lack of quality depth in the running back room no no No. why is that um you realize that he has a almost a thousand yard season rushing say what he has almost a thousand yard rushing season under his belt okay i sorry you broke up there i i I apologize (laughs) for that uh in 20 in 2014 he ran for like almost 900 yards no, I I don't think that's what they're 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 going to be going for. Um, from what I understand, they kind of want to keep the ball out of his hands a little bit. Um, I think he'll have a decent rushing season. 
um, probably somewhere around the three to four fifty five hundred range, mm-hmm. which is still like up there for his for his rushing seasons. But no, the biggest of biggest of his career. I mean, no, like I, I don't think he eclipses six hundred yards. Uh, he might add about five or six touchdowns, but like no, not the biggest. Well, I think that quite honestly, he's he's still capable of being a 450 yard, maybe 500 is pushing it a little bit, but four to 450 yards. I think he, if you can get that out of Russell Wilson, I think you pretty much maximize the rushing ability that he has right now. He's still capable of doing it, but like you said, I don't think that they're actually kind of looking in that direction. So I definitely agree with you on that one. Uh, let's move to the wide receiver position. Um, you have six wide receivers making the roster, Tim Patrick, Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, Marvin Mims Jr., Marquez Callaway, and K.J. Hamler. So what's kind of just the, the breakdown of what your line of thinking is here, um, specifically with Hamler and Marque- Marquez Callaway? So Patrick, Judy, Sutton, and I, I want to note that these are in the order I think they'll end up on the depth chart too. Okay. So Tim Patrick, number one, Jerry, Judy, the number two, Cortland Sutton, the number three, Marvin Mims, number four. Um, those guys I think are all set at this point, barring like a last minute, huge trade coming in for offer coming in for Cortland Sutton. He's on the roster. Like that, that's the only point that can change thing that can change at this point. Marquez Calloway. I have him making it as I've talked about multiple times before special teams ability, his reliability and his familiarity with Sean Payton and the offense. Um, if one of those receivers, top three receivers aren't, you know, ready to go or they get banged up a little bit, have to miss some time. Marquez Calloway is right there in the wings, ready to step up and kind of fill in a role. Um, he's got a good versatile enough of a skill set to kind of fill in for almost what all three of them do. Jerry Judy being the one that's a little bit harder for him to fill in. Um, and then KJ Hamler. The six receiver spot was probably the most difficult for me um, to project because there's so many different ways they can go. There's Jalen Virgil, there's Kendall Hinton, there's Montreal Washington, there's Brandon Johnson. There's so many ways that they could have gone. Um, And I went with adding just a little bit more explosive ability to the offense, something that this offense has been lacking. And with the other five receivers they had, Marvin Mims is the only one who really does that. Jerry Judy can be an explosive guy, but he's not that deep threat guy um, that can take the top off a of defense. He wins with his route running, getting separation and making plays happen that way. Mm-hmm. KJ Hamler, Marvin Mims, those are speed guys that can take the top off a of defense. They can work underneath and have, you know, find an opening and make them pay or make defenses pay for it. And just adding that kind of back, that kind of player to back up that role um, is the way I went. And I went with KJ Hamler over i mean there's positive notes about his injury recovery he's expected to be ready to go um but i went with him over jalen virgil because jalen virgil um until i see it he is still a track star playing football Mm -hmm. i gotta see the development with the route running kj hamler he's at least decent there um he at least has that shiftiness down to you know get open up underneath pretty quickly so that that's why i went with hamler as a six receiver over one of the other guys yeah, the, just that the ability to take the top off of the defense. KJ Hamler, uh, there's not an official forty on on his uh, on his resume. I don't believe that he's actually run an official timed forty yard dash. Um, he did that have a hamstring injury going through the combine and everything like that. So we never actually got to see that. Um, but he is one of the most electric, fastest football players, probably the fastest football player on this Broncos team, if we're being completely honest. Um, but uh, he's just never been able to stay healthy, and it's so. 
it's such a shame. We've got a Facebook user here I want to grab a comment about because I, I really like this, especially given what Sean Payton has done with it in the past with players like uh, Marcus Colston, with guys like uh, uh, Michael Thomas. He says – and. It, Pardon me for not being able to see your name. Uh, StreamYard's not allowing us to actually see it. But he says that I expect to see Cortland Sutton in the slot a decent amount. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, it's possible. Um, but I, I think that their ideal plan is uh, Jerry Judy in the slot most often. Um, the reason why I have Jerry Judy number two and still being the slot guy is when I go through wide receivers, Cortland Sutton's coming onto the field as that mm-hmm. as the guy as the X. Jerry Judy sliding into into the slot. Um, I think most of the time we'll see them in two tight end sets, though, leaving two wide receivers out there on the field, being Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I, I actually agree with you on that. I do think we're going to see a lot more 12 and maybe even 22 personnel, especially because you have Michael Burton out there as well. So get a lot of uh, heavy head cracking, skull breaking, running, like power running is a big thing of what we're going to see here. Um I think that pretty much covers everything that I had for you on the wide receiver room. Actually, you know what? One quick last question here. Uh, Obviously we don't know the landscape of the NFL right now, but if a team does have a a significant injury at the wide receiver position throughout training camp, is it still a possibility that the Broncos could potentially move on from one of the top? I guess I don't want to say top four guys because Mims is probably going to be a lock on this roster, but let's just go Tim Patrick, Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, or KJ Hamler. Is it possible the Broncos move on from one of those guys? Well, I mean, KJ Hamler is the sixth receiver. I don't think his spot on the roster is super secured. Right. I mean, right. there is still the torn peck. I mean, despite comments coming out that he should be ready to go by the start of the season, mm-hmm. that's still a mystery. And it depends on what way the coaching staff wants to go. So KJ Hamler, he's he's not safe no matter if they look at if another team wants to trade for him or not. Right. I don't see why right. another team would. As for the other receivers, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, and Cortland Sutton, as I said earlier, um, only way I think that any of those changes happen to those three is a team comes in offering something big for Cortland Sutton. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick are going to be moved at this point. Okay. I don't think the Broncos want to move them at this point. So Cortland Sutton's the only option. And if Cortland Sutton does get moved, I would probably put Kendall Hinton on the roster um, in- instead of Cortland Sutton. That makes a lot of sense with the reliability that he has. He has some versatility too. You know, he can play outside, can play inside, reliable hands. It's just a, a do-it-all kind of wide receiver that may not be the most talented player, but you know what? You can trust him. And he's a damn good player in that locker room as well. So I really like the point that you got for that. Uh, Zach Powers, which is quickly here. I guess it is a contract here for KJ Hamler. So it's time to find out uh, what he is. And IR isn't a great way of doing that. Yes, and, Zach, you're absolutely correct on that. And that's part of the point. Like maybe they can get him out there on the field. They can get some stuff out of him, and then maybe you know before the trade deadline, somebody will come in and offer something for him. Yeah. Just like they're on the cusp. Denver's Denver's doing fine, good enough without him that they don't need him. Another team just needs that explosive wide receiver, or they lost they lost their explosive wide receiver, and they come in just throwing a late round pick your way for a KJ Hamler. I think that's kind of the sense. That's the sense that I'm getting with what they kind of hope to happen with KJ Hamler. But it all depends. Can he stay healthy? Like yeah. that's yeah. that's always been the question. Yeah. No, you're absolutely correct. It's, it's it's like I've said, I don't know how many different times. It's such a, such a, so frustrating that KJ Hamler hasn't been able to stay on the field because when, when he is healthy, he is incredibly electric. Uh, let's slide inside here just a little bit. Let's go to the tight end position. This was, I don't want to necessarily say a surprise to me because I think that it's probably going to happen where the surprise comes is the practice squad, but you have the Broncos keeping only three tight ends on the roster. We've talked about this probably three or four different times. Um, Albert Okawagbanam did not make this list. 
you have Greg Dulcich, Chris Manhurts, and Adam Troutman, who are the guys. We already know, you know, you and I went kind of back and forth a little bit about Greg Dulcich, and I came to my better senses. I think you're absolutely right. I think he's poised for a huge year this year. Uh, they went out and got Chris Manhurts as that blocking tight end. You can throw him out there on the on the uh, at the point of attack on the strong side of the play. He's going to be an, essentially an extra tackle for you. And then Adam Troutman is another you know versatile player, a guy that uh, you know is is a quality blocker. And I'm not going to say he's a, an elite blocker, but he can get out there and handle his own and offer some some receiving chops not necessarily very many surprises here but i want to kind of dive into the practice squad here you don't even have albert okawaven on making the practice squad why is that well we'll get to that when we get to the practice squad a little bit okay um the biggest thing with the three tight ends and it's kind of right there if you guys can read it on uh read it for your uh, read it you guys can also go check it out on uh, mileheddle.com typically four tight ends is the norm mm-hmm. but when you have that Typically, one of them is filling in as your fullback. And last year, the Broncos kind of went a different way. They kept five guys with one of them being a fullback, um, which is also outside the norm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just was kind of like trying to find the balance for it. And roster math played a huge part in this. Um, I didn't, there wasn't somewhere else I wanted to take away from to add albert okaway Benham to the mm-hmm. roster there just there just wasn't anybody and i think that there's a chance that he can make it i mean it's going to depend a lot on the preseason he's got to show that he can be what they want him to be he's got to show that he can improve as a blocker um he's not good enough as a receiver to overcome that those issues mm-hmm. so that's why he's not on the roster greg dulcich i mean they, they've called him the joker he's going to be a big part of this offense mm-hmm. um they're hoping that he comes around as a run blocker, but his receiving ability is enough is a big enough threat that you can kind of live with it a little bit. Chris mm-hmm. Manhurts, Adam Trotman. I mean, you got your blocker and you got a guy who can just be kind of your all around guy. And also, I mean, Greg Dulcich, he dealt with injuries last year, but Manhurts and Adam Trotman, they both have been relatively healthy throughout mm-hmm. their careers, which is another reason why I was comfortable going with only, only three tight ends here. Um, Michael Burton, just kind of, you know, that being that fullback, just takes away from having that fourth tight end. Well, and just to kind of expand a little bit here on Albert Okawabinom, I don't believe he's ever played a single snap on special teams. And if it was, it was like a like a, a field goal block. Like it's not like one of the core four special teams, you know, punt return, kick return, kick uh, uh, kick coverage, punt coverage, like the core four special teams units. He's never done that. And if you don't have that special teams versatility as a fourth tight end on the roster, then you don't really have a spot to be on the roster. They're going to find somebody that at least can go out there and compete on special teams. Albert O's just never been able to do that. Man hurts has Adam Troutman has Michael Burton has been a very good special teams player throughout his career as well. So Albert O on the outside looking in, go ahead. You are correct. As Scott says, Albert Oquipanam has not played any snaps on special teams. None, Mm -hmm. no matter what unit, none. Yeah. I wasn't sure if he got in there on a, on a field goal block. Uh, So that, that's why I wanted to make that caveat. So, Thank you for the correction there, Scott, or at least clarifying that. So we appreciate that. Um, going inside another spot on the offensive line, you have – let me see here. I got to I gotta jump back over here. I believe you have three offensive tackles because you did it – you actually broke it down into offensive tackle, offensive guard, and then center position. So you have it broke down three different ways here. But the three offensive tackles that you have, pretty cut and dry here. Garrett Bowles starting on the right side. Mike McGlinchey starting – excuse me, Garrett Bowles on the left side. Mike McGlinchey starting on the right side. And then Cam Fleming, who you and I both really had a lot of high praise for uh, going through last season. He played very well. One of the best right tackles that the Broncos have had. And then played pretty well on the left side as well. So he showed he has the versatility as that swing tackle. Um 
the the one thing that I do want to get into a little bit is Quinn Bailey, um, but that we'll get get into here in just a minute. What's the overall thinking though behind just having three offensive tackles on the roster? Well, first off, Lawrence Rivera comes in. Is our wide receiver core injury prone? They'll have to that we'll have to use all our wide receiver again. That's my worry this year. Um, yeah, that that is a worry. I mean, Tim Patrick, mm -hmm. he has an extensive injury history going back to college. It's part of why he went undrafted. He mm -hmm. dealt with a lot of injuries at his time at Oregon and Utah. Um, Cortland Sutton, he's been rel relatively healthy, except for that the one season a couple years ago. Jerry Judy, he's had his bang-ups. Um, Marcus Callaway, fortunately, he's been a little bit healthy. Um, so, yeah, how, the injuries questions around the wide receiver position is such is a major concern. And we will definitely touch back up on that when we get to the practice squad, because that is a big reason why I do some why I projected some of what I did for the practice squad. Even mm -hmm. um, the injury concerns at wide receiver, super worrisome for me. As for offensive tackle, yeah, um, I only have three, and this is where the whole thing was. As I was talking about earlier, that third quarterback, I wanted to keep Quinn Bailey on this roster because Quinn Bailey is at least versatile enough to play inside and tackle he's kind of got that that versatility a little bit um though he's much better at tackle than he is inside a guard but i had to take somebody off as that for that third quarterback and quinn bailey was that 53rd guy mm -hmm. um so it's like that's the guy that comes off that's the last one that's a position that makes sense to pull somebody away even though this is another position where I have serious injury concerns. Garrett Bowles coming off his bad injury. Mike McGlinchey has injury history. Cam Fleming gives me enough confidence, at least for now, um, to, to back up one of them. Hopefully you're not losing both of them in a the game. Hopefully we don't lose either of them, and they play a full um, slate of games this season. So it, it was tough for me to keep only three. I really wanted to keep four. I tried working roster math to make it work. I just couldn't find a way. Um, but Cam Fleming, he's a great, he's a good quality backup. He can play both sides of the line. Um, he did really well last year for the Broncos. Um, hopefully Garrett Bowles can bounce back and play closer to, you know, what that 2020 season, right? Mm -hmm. 2021, yep. 2020 yep. season can play much closer to that than he did last year. And hopefully Mike McGlinchey plays at the level that he can play when he's healthy, which is an extremely high level. Um, so it, it's definitely, there's some concerns here with injuries here. Well, I guess there's, so and you have, go ahead, go ahead, finish your thought, finish your thought. But I, I got a good question for you though. Go ahead. I just want to grab this real quick. Going back to it. Keeping three quarterbacks. I don't get Facebook user. Not sure who you are. Um, we can't see it due to settings that you have on it. Um, the reason for three quarterbacks is with the rule coming back that you can keep a, um, your third quarterback can dress and play in case of emergency, the emergency quarterback rule. They have to be on the 53-man roster. Mm -hmm. They just don't have to be at game day active, which means they don't have to be one of the 48 dressed. Yep. Technically, it gives you a 49th player. Yep. But in order to do that, they have to be on the roster. They can't be a practice squad call-up. They have to be on the roster. With the injury concerns that Russell Wilson has going forward, keeping that third quarterback was a must. Not only that, it is what Sean Payton has pretty much done every single year throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we, we talked about that a little bit more in depth and in detail at the beginning of the show. So make sure you go back and check that out at the top of the show um, after you get uh, after the fact here on the podcast. So thank you for the for the question, but that's the big reason there. And I agree with Eric on that. Where I want to, and, and I think you said it correctly here, it's more of a necessity to keep that third receiver or that third quarterback, excuse me. You've got two positions here that I want to kind of, I don't want to get to the one yet because we're going to get that here in a second, but we just went over it with KJ Hamler. You're talking about a player that's the sixth wide receiver in, on this team. 
um, not has all the injury concerns and stuff like that. They've got a, 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 the same kind of an archetype of a player, smaller receiver with a lot of speed and Marvin Mims. Is KJ Hamler really in that conversation as the 53rd guy? And could Bailey take that fourth spot as the offensive tackle and kick KJ Hamler off the roster? Is that a potential possibility there? Or- um, no, I think that six wide receivers is pretty much is what we're going to see. Okay. Whether KJ Hamler is at six one or not, that you know, it depends on so much, right? Um, I mean, this is a projection being made two weeks before the start of the training camp, so mm-hmm. keep that in mind. But six wide receivers that's just standard, mm-hmm. that's standard for Sean Payton, that's standard for the NFL, six wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that you're taking one of them, especially with all the injury concerns that you have with Tim Patrick coming back from his injury with Jerry Judy and his injury history with Marvin Mims being a rookie. I don't see taking a six wide receiver and giving it to, giving it to a, uh, a that spot to an offensive tackle. No, that's, that's a fair point. That's a, that's definitely a fair point. And you know, most, most teams typically like to keep six wide receivers. I think the Broncos a handful of years ago under, uh, under Vance Joseph, I think they only kept five one season, but that's because they kept seven freaking off-ball linebackers or whatever the hell it was. And well, the on the initial roster, weird. Yeah, on the yep. initial roster. Yep. When yep. after the forty after forty-eight hours, they were up to seven wide receivers mm-hmm. and four linebackers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was because they was, made so many changes. Yeah, it was it was a really weird breakdown on the initial opening day roster. I just remember that was one of the things that you and I and, and Nick, I believe is who it was, had just a, a big conversation. Like, what in the hell is Vance Joseph doing keeping seven off-ball linebackers on the opening 53-man roster? Regardless, uh, where the roster math gets really interesting here is moving to the offensive guard position. And it's not necessarily that the um, the numbers that you have there, it's the player that you have here. And you have obviously Quinn Miners, you're starting right, right guard. You have Ben Powers, you're starting left guard. But you bring in Kyle Fuller, a guy who played as a center, um, formerly with uh, the Seattle Seahawks, has experience snapping the football to Russell Wilson. This is the name that I thought was the most interesting one that you kept around over Quinn Bailey. Why did you do so? Just just break that one down for us. So I wanted somebody as who can be a peer backup on the interior. You have your peer tackle backup. You have your swing backup. Somebody who can play all three spots on the interior where the injury and the performance questions are also there. Kyle Fuller, Fuller, most of his experience has come at center, but he can play guard. He's done it before, and he did decent there. Um, I mean, he's wasn't ever great at center or at guard, but it, it was decent enough. Um, so just having that, having that extra versatility, um, to play to snap at center, especially with the questions that I have at center, that's kind of the way I went. I've heard a lot of hype around Kyle Fuller coming out from, you know, from within the Broncos and everything like that. When what they project him to do at one point, they one point the chatter was that he's going to compete for the starting center spot. So maybe that still happens. Maybe he does take it um during training camp and preseason but at the very least i wanted him on the roster somewhere because of all that i heard and when i look at the other peer peer interior offensive linemen the peer guards henry bird and will sherman neither one of them inspire confidence i'd stick with kyle fuller over those two and that makes a lot of sense and it also makes sense when you look at the center position here you have lloyd cushionberry who let's get to the hot take here is not going to win the starting center job. You have Alex Forsyth is actually the guy in the article here winning the starting center position, but we all know there's trials and tribulations of Lloyd Cushenberry. He's one of the players that I still have not found out a reason why he is still a Denver Bronco. Um, he's been a bottom five center in the NFL since he was drafted and has not shown hardly any improvement, especially as a pass protector in the A gaps when they like to bring over low pressure and bring the, bring a, an extra body in the A gaps. He can't figure out how to pass it off. He doesn't have the, the 
functional strength to actually play the center position at the NFL level, at least not at a high level. So keeping Kyle Fuller here actually makes a lot of sense. I do want your breakdown, though, is it, on, on Forsyth. Is it specifically the, the trials and tribulations, or do you think that Forsyth is going to be like legit as a center moving forward as a, as a rookie? So real quick, money did factor in on this. Money-wise, keeping Fuller over Bailey is not a smart move. Um, the only difference is twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah, that is that is a difference between them. That is not enough to for the finances to make a significant impact on the decision here of keeping Quinn Bailey over Kyle Fuller. Mm-hmm. Um, twenty, it's twenty five thousand nine hundred forty thousand cap hit for Quinn Bailey, nine sixty five for Kyle Fuller. That that's the only difference there. Um, so as for this is from everything I've heard. I think Alex Forsyth has a good chance to take the starting center job. Mm-hmm. Like I said that the night of the draft, after he was drafted, I could see him winning it. There has been nothing but praise for the guy um, throughout the whole draft process. There's a lot of guys, big offensive line guys, that absolutely praise him and what he can do, his versatility, his smarts, how quickly he picks things up. If he goes out there and he shows all that, obviously, like that's a mm-hmm. huge factor here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think he can easily take the starting job over a guy who has consistently regressed as a player since he was drafted. Mm-hmm. And it's not just season to season. Like the first half of his rookie season was pretty good. And then it got worse from there. Mm-hmm. And then last or then the 2021 season, like it started off decent and then got worse from there. And then the same thing with last year. It started off all right and then just continuously got worse. Mm-hmm. Um, so a guy who just has just constantly been on a downward slope, I don't think he's going to be secured in making the roster outside of the fact that he's at least experienced mm-hmm. like he's got decent experience but so does kyle fuller maybe this is this is where a cost-cutting move could potentially happen i didn't go that way because the other backup interior offensive linemen like unless they go get a veteran just just miss me with the other guys like none of them are guys that really stand out to me of uh, that are should that should be rostered at this point and again quinn bailey for me he's more of a tackle than a guard Mm-hmm. Uh, when he's played at guard, he's struggled a lot more. So that is one reason why I didn't want to put him at guard either, like over Kyle Fuller right. is adding that extra interior flexibility and him being better at, at center at, at tackle. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of why, you know, for all those moves. Yeah. And, and it makes a lot of sense. You you've made it the most versatile. And that's, that's something that I've always, you know, I, I've preached multiple different times here on Dove LA Deep Divers, specifically offensive and defensive line and in the secondary. The more hats you can wear, the more versatile you can be, the more valuable you are to an NFL franchise because there are only so many roster spots that you can can occupy. Guys that have left and right side versatility, inside and outside versatility, guard center, whether that's guard center or uh, guard tackle, like you have to be able to play multiple different spots. And the more that you can do for an offensive line, specifically as a bass backup the more likely you're going to be a very valuable player to an nfl franchise uh you did mention one thing though and before we get to the defensive side of the football i got two things i want to grab here Uh, you talked about um earlier in the article talking about bringing in a free agent running back uh free agent center is definitely a position that i i I still have my eyes on i haven't really taken a look at what's available but joe mannix coming in here saying the browns might cut nick harris at center later in this uh in training camp preseason what do you think of nick harris if the browns let him go you think that the broncos might be interested in, in his services uh isn't he still a on his rookie deal drafted just like two years ago yeah i remember you were very very high on him coming out of washington 
So I do believe, yes, he's uh, on. Actually, I think he might be second contract player now. I'm not sure, though. Okay. No, he was drafted in 2020, same year. uh, Okay. It's Christian Murray. Yeah. Um, Yeah. If they're cutting him, it's for a reason. Um, He's been been terrible with them. Um, He played a little bit as a rookie, and it went god awful. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't improve in 2021. He didn't play at all last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if they're if they're cutting him, it's not because it's not saving money. It's just he's not quite good enough. Maybe that's a route I would look at on the as a, a practice squad candidate, but not for the roster. Um, biggest thing is too is like he was light coming into the NFL. He was, yeah. And I don't know if he's game if he's put on enough weight to really handle the scheme that the Broncos are going to be running, like it's going to lead to him getting bullied. So yeah. that's also I, a question. Yeah. If I remember correctly, he was sub 300 at the combine. So uh, it was like 293. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was 294, but regardless, it doesn't really matter. That That's, uh, I guess a big thing is even going to his time at Washington, he struggled with playing with power and strength at the point of attack as well. Like he's more of a mover and kind of a, he would have been a really good fit for, uh, was, I believe it was Rich Scangarello's offense. Um, was like he would have been well, a really good fit for that, you know. Outside zone, we we might see some of that here in Denver, but uh, I don't think I think that being not gonna be prominent. Yeah, it's it's not gonna be prominent. So and sorry, it's, it's just funny to me that the the chat's talking about height and offensive line. Um, Alex Forsyth, I saw somebody ask that. He's six foot four. Like Coach Barry, six foot three. Um, you know, if if height is a big issue and you really want Russell Wilson to see the middle field, then go get Nick Harris. He's like six foot flat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we got one question here. Obviously, um, Eric, I, I think you've seen it. I know that Nick shared it in um, in the group chat. Uh, the Denver Broncos released a statement, well, I guess an announcement the other day, an announcement for an announcement. On July 25th, they have a um, announcement coming up. Last, I remember, this was a while ago, they said that they were going to be releasing a new helmet. It was an all-white helmet with, uh, with white face mask, I do believe. And if you look close enough at the picture on the announcement, um, it does look like the curvature of the top of the helmet with, I'm guessing, the D logo on it. Eric, what do you think, man? One of these days, Lance, you'll get that I don't care about uniforms. I, I don't. I don't care what – well, that's not true. I do care what they look like. Like, they do need to look decent. But I don't get all caught up in, like, oh, this is what they should be wearing or this this top with these pants. It doesn't work. Like, I don't care about that. I, I don't care enough about the uniform. I care about the product on the field. And uniforms, helmets, that has absolutely nothing to do with any of it. Yeah, so it's, it's I, be, I, I don't care enough. It's going to look really nice, that white helmet that they're going to be releasing. The reason I brought that up is we got Savage Boy Kev over on Twitch that wanted to just kind of throw that and get – did we think it was going to be helmets or if it was going to be uniforms? I do believe it's it, it's an alter, It's an alternate helmet. Yep, yep. It's it's only going to be a helmet. All right. Defensive side. going to be the old school D. Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's going to be – I think it's going to look – I think it's going to look super sharp. That's just my personal opinion. And I'm excited for it. I know that you don't care about uniforms. I don't necessarily care about them. It's not the be all end all, but I do enjoy at least, you know, watching aesthetically pleasing football. It's, it's a lot better when they when they win, but at least if it looks good, then I can I can be all right with it. Only, uh, let's go to the defensive side thing, of the football here. Only uniform thing I go care ahead, about is ahead. I go back to those brown, ugly, brown and yellow, ugly ones. But that is actually a sentimental song. reason for me. Like that we don't need to get into, but that's the only thing I care about. Bring those game, bring those back. I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, 
Defensive side of the football, obviously interior defensive line. First, you've got uh, five guys on the roster. DJ Jones, Zach Allen, who the Broncos brought in in free agency. Obviously, Mike Purcell at the nose tackle. Uh, and then Matt Henningsen and Ioma Owazarike make up the bottom five of that. Pretty cut and dry here. You and I have kind of talked about this. No Jonathan Harris is not necessarily noteworthy. You and I have gone back and forth about that as well. Um, and you also do have in here, quote, adding a free agent defensive lineman could be in the works instead of vetting on two second-year players for the depth there's also a possibility of keeping six players here but the roster math didn't work out for these projections is that because you have uh the four running backs and i'll just drop it right now five safeties on this roster um no so the five safeties also going with six corners to spoil that a Mm -hmm. little bit typically you only keep 10 but i went one more i was basically going five corners five safeties with your returner being a mm-hmm. cornerback mm-hmm. um the biggest where this actually changes is i was debating five defensive linemen and six edges or six defensive linemen five edges okay so this is where it could flip if they do bring in another veteran like then i'm fine taking off that six edge and going to that because 11 guys in your 11 guys for defensive line edges that's pretty standard um and you can typically play with it depending on how you're how, how it's built um so defensive line, I have plenty of questions here. Going with an, uh, bringing in another veteran, that's fine. And if you're bringing in a veteran, then you're probably going to six interior defensive linemen, which means five edges. Nothing mm-hmm. wrong with that. Um, but for now, I made it very clear early on. It was a note before the article is, is that I was going strictly off of what is currently on the roster. Yep. Um, there is not a six defensive lineman for me on this roster to make it. Um, PJ Mustafer, he was one guy I considered, but he's a pure nose tackle. We don't need another one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler Lancaster, I considered him, but he was like he was like the 56th, 57th guy for me, so it just didn't quite make it there. All the other defensive linemen were behind that, even. Um, and basically it's saying that the starting unit it's gonna be DJ Jones kind of as a three, four eye technique, Zach Allen as a five technique, Mike Purcell as your zero one, Henningson and Aoma was Uazarike kind of filling in behind that a little bit. Um, you got to see great, pro- you got to see a lot of progress from them. Um, second year players, both of them are both had flashes last year. Now it's time to see the growth and the improvements that they need to make. Yeah, I'm I'm just curious to see if they're going to play Awazarike more along the uh, the the three four I get him in between guard tackle and just let him use that burst off the line of scrimmage, or they're going to actually slide him towards the inside and play him in between center guard as a, a two I or a, even a one or zero technique Ooh. and just uh, Awazarike. Um, no. So is he going to play the majority of the time between three, three to five. five, three to five? That's what I figured. I, I, that's that's his best role, in my opinion. I think that the burst that he has and the ability to get skinny in between guard tackle is is definitely the way to go with him. That that first step explosiveness he has is just ridiculous. But he doesn't have the the, the physical strength to hold up against guard center along the interior and really be that that true pivot guy at the nose tackle position. So that was the one thing I was just kind of curious. I mean, I've, I'm I'm with you lockstep on that. Uh, getting to the edge position here, I'm going to kind of run through this a little bit fast. We're getting kind of towards the end of our time here this evening. But the edge position, you obviously have six guys bringing in here uh frank clark obviously the the free agent guy the broncos brought in just about a month ago or so um he's definitely going to make this roster obviously randy gregory you're kind of tied up with him financially baron browning former third round pick got to get healthy there as well but you have jonathan cooper nick benito and then thomas incoom is that sixth edge defender why incoom what's the what's the deal with thomas incoom here run defense it's the same reason why i have cooper above benito run defense um, the other edge rushers that I'm looking at for this, Aaron Patrick, he's a pure special teams player. 
You have Chris Allen, who at this point, I have no idea what he's going to be able to do as a run defender. He struggled with it in college. Thomas and Kuma, I believe, in my opinion, is significantly better than both of them when it comes to run defense. And he could fill in on special teams right away, filling in for Aaron Patrick. That's the reason why I went there, but that's also the same reason why if like if they go get a veteran defensive lineman, then I'm fine taking Thomas and Kumov. Mm-hmm. It was he happened to be the best option between the edges and defensive lineman for filling in that taking that 11th spot among the two positions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's the only difference here. I believe the top five, they're pretty much set. Um, I'm barring like a late move of Jonathan Cooper and a late unlikely move of Nick Benito, like. I don't see either of those happening to be clear here. Like those are your top five guys. Who's the sixth one going to be if they even keep six? Um, roster math for me again, just keeping that no defensive lineman. Well, I'll go. I'll go with another a sixth edge instead. Right. And something I want to ask you here, and, and this is you know kind of projecting a little bit, maybe a little bit of speculation here uh, regarding Thomas Incum. You you watched it a little bit at Central Michigan, him playing inside as a four eye technique. Is that potential possibility? I, I know it's undrafted rookie free agent here, not necessarily the best role for him, but is there like a sub package away, a possibility that he could be seen as, as a four eye guy, maybe even a five technique um, playing or playing directly over the tackle and then have another edge defender on the outside of him, a, a, a speed guy, let's say uh, Baron Browning and Thomas Incombe on the same side of the field, working that five and nine technique. Is that a possibility there? I mean, yeah, I, I don't think he's gonna have a large. He's gonna have a role on defense unless injuries happen, right? Uh, and his play style is very similar to what Frank Frank Clark's play style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is that guy that you can send him up as an edge. You can line him up inside as a four eye five technique, um, and just you know create mismatches on the defensive line, putting another speed guy outside of him. So you have that option with him, but you're just not gonna see it unless injuries happen, which with this edge room is entirely plausible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So off ball linebackers here, pretty cut and dry. You've got uh, obviously Josie Jewell, Alex, actually, I believe it's uh, Alex Singleton, Josie Jewell in order, Drew Sanders and Jonas Griffiths. Yep. That's the order it is there. Um, pretty cut and dry. We talked about this last week. You know, the really the only thing that makes a change here is if Drew Sanders shows to be, and you put this in the article here, uh, if, if Drew Sanders shows enough and another team is making a great offer for Josie Jewell is probably as unlikely. This is going to be the four guys moving forward for the Denver Broncos. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with Sutton. Um, Denver floated Josie Jewell around in trades after the draft, after they landed Drew Sanders. Nothing happened. Maybe a team comes back on that during training camp. I doubt it. I think Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton, they're going to be your starters. Drew Sanders going to be filling in in that third role. Jonas Griffith as your special teams guy and depth player. And it was like, who's going to be the last guy? Um, oh, it's Jonas Griffith because there is no one else. Mm-hmm. Somebody wants to make an argument for Justin Sernod? Go ahead. Like, I'll probably tune out. Um, Justin Sonod just hasn't done anything. Seth Benson, he's an undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. Will, Will Ray Wilborn completely forgot he was on the roster until I was doing this doing this whole project. Um, which on this on that note too, real quick, uh, this whole um, roster projection is going off of my tier list that I've talked about, and we've um, I, we floated out out there on you know through multiple shows, multiple articles on it, putting each player in certain tiers. Well, everybody in tier one's on the roster. Mostly everybody in tier two is on the roster. Some tier three guys managed to make it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's just kind of what this is going off of. Yeah. And then as we're running late on time, cornerback, um, no surprise, Patrick Tan, Damari Mouthas, Quan Williams, Riley Moss, they're all going to make it. 
talked about it earlier, Tremont Smith. He's making it as my returner guy. Um, the only question here was the backup corner, Asang Bossy or Jaquan McMillan. It could go either way. I went with, went with McMillan because I really like what he showed against the Chargers to end last season. Mm-hmm, yeah. And for me, he showed a lot more in just that one game than Asang Bossy has shown in, in his whole career so far. Um, he actually can handle crossing routes in front of him, unlike a song bossy. So that's the that's the reason why I went with McMillan over Bossy. And that makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad that you brought that up because the saying Bassy, he's slow. Let's just be honest. He's not the greatest athlete at the cornerback position. He was good at Wake Forest, don't get me wrong. And I, I really liked him. I thought that he was a really good fit for what Vic Fangio liked to do. Being in man coverage, wor- working across the middle, especially on crossing routes, he's going to get picked on too much. McMillan is a much better athlete and a much better fit for the system. So that's a that's a really good shout here. Uh, and we kind of talked about this just a little bit. Uh, five safeties. This was one where I was very interested in, in the direction that you went, specifically the list that you have here. Obviously, Justin Simmons, Cadence Turns, those are your two projected starters. Kareem Jackson brought back as a, as a veteran guy. You have JL Skinner as safety number three and PJ Locke rounding out the room. JL Skinner is another one of those guys coming off of a torn pectoral muscle. Sounds like he's well ahead of his, uh, his schedule and his recovery. But you actually think that he's going to come back, make this 53-man roster, or is this a, another one of those pup situations where they just kind of slow play it a little bit, let him get healthy, and then bring him back towards the later end of the season if somebody goes down? Um, I think that – I think I think injured reserve ability to come back is a possibility with JL Skinner. I don't know where he's at with his recovery exactly. It has just been made very clear that he's well ahead of schedule. There's been some talk that he can be ready by the start of the season. That was what I was going off of. Um, Setback is also possible. I believe it's more likely for him to be ready by the start of the season than Javante Williams, which is why Mm -hmm. I didn't go that route for Skinner as well. Um, But I think that the, if he is healthy, the role for him and the role for Kareem Jackson can work to get, can work. um, What's the right word here? Uh, can can work. Um, I totally forgot the word of it. They're not. It's not the same role, so you're not going to have them on the field at the same time. Right. But they can rotate as that third safety, depending on the down distance and situation, depending on what role that you want out there on the field. And then PJ Locke, um, for me, he's just developed into a good special teams player. Um, hasn't seen a lot of snaps on defense, but special teams this late, the fifth safety, special teams is where it matters. So special teams is. Uh, where you look at. Yep. Uh, Michael Ronquillo jumping in here. Great show tonight. Lance and Eric on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Go Broncos and Buckham. Thank you, Michael, for that. And thank you for your continued support across every single show here on the uh, Mile High Huddle Podcast Network. We definitely appreciate you, man. And, uh, th- go ahead. Just real quick, Jeff Jeff Noyes comes in seeing this, talking about losing teams don't receive a lot of trade offers. 100% untrue. Yeah, that's not true. It's it, it, Dylan actually has it, losing losing teams sell off their best players for draft compensations to try to rebuild and winning move winning teams winning teams don't trade players that are helping them win mm-hmm. losing teams trade players that aren't helping them win mm-hmm. and, and winning, winning that, that's just how it is yeah like, winning, winning losing teams, teams are, trade players winning teams don't yeah winning winning teams are acquiring talent from losing teams as they're trying to move on so they can give up draft compensation because maybe exactly there you go that that's that's a prime example there von miller was traded away for a second and third round pick on a team that i believe at the time was three and five like they were not quite out of it all the time or all the way but they were definitely on the outside looking in it wasn't like the broncos were going to be very competitive the rest of the season the rams gave up a second and third round draft pick to get von miller and then they went and won a super bowl that's how that conversation yeah. really goes. You tra- you trade for the t- yeah. you, you know, winning teams trade for win for 
good talent off of losing teams. Yep. Now getting back to this to round it out, again, going just strictly what's off what's on the roster. Well, there's only one special teamer at kicker, one special teamer at punter, one player at long snapper. They, they all make it just by default. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a lot to go in there. Then practice squad, just to cover it up. Um, I do think a fourth quarterback being kept on the practice squad is there. Jaleel McLaughlin, though I don't think he's ready now, I do have him making the practice squad. Now, going back to the whole injury question that was earlier from Lawrence Rivera, Jalen Virgil, Kendall Hinton, and Brandon Johnson all making the practice squad because of the injury concerns. Being able to call them up and you know work that depending on depending on who you're playing against. Um, all that three wide receivers to help cover up those issues. Like when I was trying to figure it out, that was the first thing I did was like three receivers who's going to make it. Who are those three? That's going to be a little bit of, was a little bit more up in the air, but it was pretty easy to settle down once I got KJ Hamler as a sixth one. All right, Kendall Hinton, Brandon Johnson, Jalen Virgil, those are the other three guys that I was talking about. They're making it. No Albert Oquib and I'm on the roster, on the practice squad even. Um, instead of going with Nate Atkins, who I believe is a little bit more versatile than Okwebinom, being able to play a fullback, play out in the slot, play wide, play in line, a little bit more versatility, a little bit more there to, more there to develop. Plus, he was a guy who was picked up by this coaching staff and not a guy that's being handed to him after being in the doghouse for two straight coaching staffs. Quinn Bailey, offensive line, um, no surprise there. He was the final guy left off. Isaiah Prince, Christian DeLauro, both these guys, there's been some hype about with them and the, the development that they're showing, especially DeLauro. Um, so I, I wanted to keep him. He's a guy that kind of intrigues me to see what he does during the preseason. I wanted to keep one interior offensive lineman, and I literally flipped the coin. Heads was Henry Bird, tails was Will Sherman. Like, I don't know enough about either of these guys and what they can do in the NFL. Henry Bird, well, it was heads. Then the then the then the foreign player, um Nibuisi, I think is how you say the last name. Um, as I talk about here with how hyped the Broncos were to get him. I think they want to continue to develop him and see what he can do and just give him a little bit extra time. I did want to fit an extra interior defensive lineman on here, but it would have come at the cost of a wide receiver. And I just wanted to keep three wide receivers here. Maybe I could have bumped off Henry bird here, but again, you want another, you want a couple interior um, already or one of the tackles. Sorry, not Henry bird. Maybe I could have bumped um, Prince or uh, Delaro off for another defensive lineman. I considered it just didn't do it. Chris Allen, giving him more time to develop. Ray Wilborn. Um, Justin Stranod has been a disappointment. Seth Benson, undrafted free agent. Wilborn, somewhere in between. Why went, went his way? Art Green, development, developmental cornerback. A lot of tools just needs to be worked with. Um, whoever loses between McMillan and, and Bassey, I think makes the practice squad. And then DeLaren Turner-Yell, I mean, he, he was fine on special teams. Didn't really play a whole lot. I think he played two snaps total on defense. Mm-hmm. So that just kind of, like... I'll, I'll keep him around because, I mean, at least he can provide help on special teams if, like, P.J. Locke gets hurt because injury history has been there with P.J. Locke. So part of why I went there. Yeah. Everything you did there makes sense. The, the one thing that I was going to not really push back, but it was just a question. You you answered it well enough. Um, the uh, the Nate Atkins over Albert Okawabin. Uh, is that also – the practice squad doesn't count against the salary cap, if I remember correctly. So that could be a. Uh, oh, it it's not really a. Sa- it does. Okay. So there's there's some salary cap implications on that there as well. So that was uh, another thing that I just wanted to bring in there. Uh, first things first. Nice work. Uh, I I think you pretty well have it narrowed down and, and pretty well pegged for what the Broncos are going to be looking at moving forward. Um, the 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 tail end of the roster math always gets a little bit weird and wonky. You know. You, 
whether it's five five uh, safeties, six edges, you know, a, a six wide receiver, whoever that may be, getting an extra offensive lineman on there is always it, like it, the roster math is is always super tricky, especially the last five to seven guys is really where where it gets kind of kind of shaky there. But I, I think you have it pretty much in the right direction. I agree with a lot of what you had to say. Um, like I said, I think Quinn Bailey would be a, the one player, and you you kind of agree with me on that one. That if you could find a spot for a fit for a fourth offensive tackle, a guy that can add just a little bit more versatility to that offensive line, give you some very outside and then inside versatility. Uh, I think that that would be the only direction that I would really give you some pushback. But other than that, good job, man. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, going with the roster math, that's one reason why I like watching Hard Knocks mm -hmm. is every year, at least one point during the episode, they reference ro they re reference roster math. Mm -hmm. Can we afford to keep this guy over this guy with the roster math? That's where things make difficult. And what makes it even difficult is teams are constantly finding new trends, new ways to go, creating more personality. Five years ago, 10 offensive linemen, standard. two at each spot, that was standard. Five, six mm -hmm. years ago, like that was standard now eight like you have your you have your five starters you have a backup swing tackle you have a backup tackle guard typically or or two backup interior offensive linemen like you some some form of that hmm. um interior defensive linemen edge numbers those are changing mm -hmm. defensive backs the number of defensive backs is changing as teams are going to more you know more uh five six um defensive back looks um, they're increasing. So always trying to stay up with that also adds a little bit of difficulty to mm -hmm. it as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see once after this, after the initial schedule is out and, you know, it'll, it comes out on the 29th, which is what a Tuesday. Typically it's a Tuesday. Mm -hmm. The following Friday, we'll have to pull this up and we'll have to take another look at it and see just how, where I was wrong and talk about what changed everything during camp and preseason. I can't wait to tell you how much you suck at your. I'm just playing, man. But uh, anyways, with that, guys, we're getting we're gonna get the hashtag out of here. It's 7:04 Mountain Time. You all have a wonderful weekend. First thing and first and foremost, and also, guys, make sure you get back at us. You want to continue on the conversation? Find us on Twitter. Follow me at Lance S underscore MHH for Eric at Eric Trickle. We're both in the Mile High Huddle Super Fan Group as well. Kind of commenting back and forth on that, uh, throwing articles down. The conversation is always available. You just got to be able to find us. Go around and check out all of our social media platforms. Follow Mile High Huddle on Twitter specifically, but also follow the uh, the Super Fan Group on Facebook. Um, guys, uh, there are three things everybody should be doing, no matter what. By this point, I've, I've mentioned I don't even know how many different times. Um, down at the bottom of your screen, you're going to see it. Maybe if I can find the uh, ticker. Here it is. Uh, subscribe. Wherever you guys are watching this on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts. Definitely helps us out a lot. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to read those as well. Um, like every video and article you guys see across all social media platforms. And if you love it, please share it. Get it in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible because – Without your guys' support, we could not do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now, Eric, with that said, any big plans this weekend? No. No? Is it a holiday? No, it's not. Oh, okay. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just wasn't sure if there was anything fun going on. Maybe take the take uh, take bug out it's for you know for oh well that, never mind then <laughs> screw me and and everything that I like to do on the weekend. All right, no, I'm just playing. But uh, anyways, guys, no big plans for me either. Just still kind of recovering. I had some health issues. I'm not going to get into the details on that. Feeling a lot better though, but uh, been off of work for the last week. Anyways, guys, we're gonna get the hashtag out of here. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great weekend. We will see you guys same time, same place next week. And as always, go Broncos.
You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.